Anyway, it seems like a lot fewer people here with all the kids gone, but we appreciate them and love them. Our sermon text this morning is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 19. And I've entitled the sermon, The ABCs of, of Wisdom. And so we're going to be talking about wisdom. And wisdom is a really important thing in our lives. This church has experienced uh, many choices and different opportunities to experience wisdom over this past year. And I can remember when I first got here, uh, Sarah Flood was doing a great job, as she has for a long time, as the secretary or the assistant to the pastor, or I've forgotten your exact title, but anyway, running the church, basically. And, uh, and so uh, Sarah, another Sarah, uh, Shirley had to step up, and so we had to go through a, a process. And so we needed wisdom as to whether or not that uh, she would be the one, and she has seamlessly stepped in and done a great job through the transition. And then we, of course, uh, had to bring in whether or not Flourish, which is the company that is assisted and given counsel and advice in the pastoral search committee, whether they should be hired, and they were, and they've done a great job. And then, of course, uh, had the session had to find an interim pastor or even to have one, and maybe, I'm not sure if that was wisdom or not when they chose me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, another point of wisdom. And then, um, of course, there's been a myriad of other smaller decisions going on, uh, just one after another. And so it, it just continues, even up through today, as everyone was here this morning and voted on whether or not we should extend a call to to Jake, and, and so that was another wisdom issue. Everybody was part of that. When the pastoral search committee was put together, that was a wisdom issue. You had to vote, figure out who you wanted to represent us, you know, as the seven members on the pastoral search committee. So you see, it's just all the time. Wisdom is something we're constantly, we're constantly in need of. And so this is what we're gonna be looking at this morning, the ABCs of wisdom. So the point is, is that we all, need to become wise in how we're living out our daily lives. Because every day you're gonna need wisdom and many days you're gonna need multiple uh, times of wisdom to solve the little problems that come into our lives. But the thing that is, we need to learn wisdom. And in this case, we're gonna call it the ABCs or the alphabet, the beginning of wisdom. Where does it start? How does it come together? And how do we uh, attain wisdom? So we have to learn to be wise. It's not something that's automatic. It's not something that you automatically have. No one is born wise. No one. And so as we learn then how to be wise, there's ways of doing that. And so even when you, you know, become a Christian, you don't automatically become wise. It's like learning how to read. Gaining wisdom is like getting the ABCs. First of all, you have to learn the ABCs, right? But it's only after you learn those that you know how to start putting words together. And then as you understand the meaning of those words, now those words have to relate to one another. So there's more wisdom and how do you relate those words and how do you make a good sentence? Then after you've done all that, how do you put together, you know, papers and books and different things and understand how to bring about wisdom through those? So it's a process, and so that's what we're looking at here this morning, the ABCs and how to gain wisdom. And so there are four sermon points that uh, you'll see in the 
bulletin, you've got uh, your little handout there. A, the gateway to wisdom, and that's fear. Fear. B, the hear instruction, that's hear. And then wisdom's first lesson, steer clear. Now, I had to work really hard in finding those words so they'd rhyme, okay? So I want you to appreciate that. <laughs> but it's easier to remember, you know, things when you do have little uh, things like that. And then finally, uh, D, the wisdom of the cross. So please stand for the reading of the word. Proverbs 1, verses 7 through 19. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful, like a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father, uh, we cry out for wisdom this morning. Uh, we ask you to help us in understanding how to grow and wisdom to increase in wisdom. And so would you use uh, these words this morning to touch our hearts, to open our hearts, to help us to understand what it means to follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, let's look at the first point, point A, and how to gain wisdom. So the gateway to wisdom is the fear of the Lord. See that in verse seven, don't we? And so what we see is that wisdom is not just about right and wrong. Sometimes right and wrong decisions are the easy decisions. But when you're talking about wisdom, we're talking about how do you make distinctions where it's not always easy to see what the solution is, the right way to go is. And our lives are full of that every single day. So wisdom is understanding how God makes life work. And then it's us wisely then, learning how to line up with that reality so that we're following the ways of the Lord, that the Spirit is leading us, that we're not just on our own apart from God. God's in his heaven and we're sort of seeing this deistic God who has no you know, impact on our lives. We've got to understand how he works in his creation. He's put certain things together. The sun goes around the earth. Sun is, excuse me, the earth goes around the sun. And so there's these systems that are in place. And so we need to understand then what uh, wisdom is in these things. So verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or like it says in chapter nine, verse 10, 
It says, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It's understanding. It's seeing into what God's doing, what God's thinking, the things that God has put together in this world. And so we all have to go through this gateway to begin to understand wisdom. We've got to pass through that. And that gateway is the fear of the Lord. So it's important then that we understand what is the fear of the Lord. Because this is pretty important, right? So what is the fear of the Lord? First, we need to see what the fear of the Lord is not. It's not being scared of God. It's not walking around thinking, oh my goodness, God's going to get really mad at me if I disobey something. That's not the fear of the Lord. It's not in fear of being punished. Well, what is it? Well, I would suggest to you that it's in awe of the Lord. It's an amazing understanding of how great and wonder, wonderful God is. It's seeing his wonder, his glory, his amazing majesty, and the great love that he has for us. So when we begin to behold that, when we see how greatly we're loved and how much power and knowledge that he has, then why would we go against that? We would want to serve that. We want to obey that. We want to be in line with God's will. And so this is, this is really important that we then begin to put our total trust in the living God so that he will lead and guide us and that we can trust him for all of these things. It's yielding our wills to his will is in total obedience. So what is the will of God? Well, we need to know what that good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. And so we, over time, learn and grow in our understanding of what that is so that our attitude of heart then is like a, is like a baby that trusts in its parents to take care of it. A baby is not concerned about its next meal. It trusts its parents even for its very life doesn't even have the ability to think outside of that. It, when it cries, it says, I'm hungry, and you feed the baby. And so it's trusting that uh, that baby is trusting that everything's going to be fine. And so we are to confidently trust in our Lord and our God. But the fear of the Lord is also meaning that we're going to invite the Lord in. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to beg the Lord to take charge of our lives. We're going to depend on him. And that's okay because that's something we have to learn because so often we want to take charge of our life, don't we? And so we can go to places like Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, and we can confess through that. We can change the words of Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 to make it personal. I'm not just going to memorize 3, 5 through 7, which many of you have, I'm sure, and it's nice to memorize it and be able to recite it, talk to each other about it. But this makes it personal. And you personalize it like this. You can pray this and ask this of God. I will trust in you, Lord, with all my heart. I will not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you and you will make my path straight. I will not be wise in my own eyes. I will fear you, Lord, and turn away from evil. Wow. Can we pray that? Can we really mean that? See, that's that attitude of turning to the Lord and saying, I'm yours. 
here I am. Do whatever you want with me because I know what you're going to do is the best. It's going to be wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So basically we're saying in another way, instead of singing like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Instead, we're singing, I did it God's way. I did it God's way. So we're humbling ourselves on a daily, even a minute-by-minute basis before God and doing things that brings wisdom and success into our lives, which is God's way. So the gateway, the starting place to the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Verse 7 says that if you do not possess a fear of the Lord, you will not become wise. You will despise wisdom and instruction and remain a fool. We don't want to be fools, do we? So what does wisdom look like? What qualities do you see in a wise person? Well, a wise person is someone who's humble and teachable, who seeks and stores up knowledge and who listens to instruction. That's a wise person. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, a wise son, and what we see through Proverbs is constant, this relational aspect of a father and a son, which includes daughters as well. But the idea is this father-child relationship that goes all the way through. And we see it right here in verse 8 this morning. But verse 1 says, 13 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A wise person listens. He's hearing or she's hearing to counsel, accepting that counsel, accepting whatever commands might be in place, but is it work or at home or whatever, and loves reproof. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Loves reproof? I don't know too many people that love reproof, but chapter 9, verse 8 says, do not reprove a scoffer because they'll just get angry at you and not receive your counsel and reproof or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Wow. Why would a wise man love someone who reproves them? It's because a wise man understands his sin nature. A wise man understands his neediness, his dependence on God or her dependence on God. Not trying to make a path based on what they just think is right, but what God says is right. And this can be hard because a lot of times I know in my personal life, God has sent me and caused me to do things that I didn't see it at the time. But we had to trust in God to move through that by faith. And so when a wise man understands his own sin nature, then he also is saying he also needs to change and to become more loving. And so a wise man understands that. And so reproof, coming to a wise man says, man, there's some temporary pain here and I really am not enjoying the temporary pain. But I see that God's hand is on me and he's changing me and causing me to grow in my ability to love him and love others more deeply, more completely. And so he sees that there's a new awareness of this sinfulness, but it's not the end. Christ-likeness is continuing to increase in him or her. It's a beautiful thing, and so you increase in love and wisdom. 
Another thing is a wise person also walks with the wise and ever increases in wisdom. Verse 5 says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. So a person who's already wise says, I want to increase in wisdom. It never stops. No matter how old you get, this side of heaven, you're always going to be increasing in learning. And the one who understands gains guidance. So you want to say, yes, I want to let go. I want to let go. I want to let God control my life. Show me, Lord. Help me. Because I'm too busy, you know, trying to control it like the fool. We all have some fool in us, right? A wise man knows that. Chapter 29, verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Wow, that's a hard one. (laughs) I can remember the first time that I really learned this. There was a guy who got absolutely furious with me. I can't even remember what the reason was, but what I remember is the fury. So we were nose to nose and toes to toes. (laughs) And... uh, he got right up my face. And so uh, it suddenly dawned on me while we were in the middle of that. I mean, this was obviously a thing from God because if it wasn't, I would have been responding in a different way. <laughs> anyway, I realized at that moment, hey, I don't have to respond. Just listen. So this was, was a very teachable moment for me. So instead of letting my emotions run loose and respond in anger or maybe trying to justify or blame shift or whatever it is I was feeling at the moment, I just listened. Now, I can't say I always respond like this, (laughs) but I learned the right way. (laughs) And so after I cooled down and started thinking about it, then I needed to see if this person was right. If they were right, then I needed to change. But if they weren't right, then I needed to extend grace to this other person because they were wrong about something or they maybe didn't understand the whole picture. They didn't know me that well. So those two ways are the ways you can react. So this is wisdom. It says you hold back those strong emotions. You you think about what's going on. You try to apply it to your heart. Are you teachable in those situations? And sometimes your worst enemies are the only ones that will tell you the truth too. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So if I had just responded in, you know, anger myself, what would that have done? And so here in 15.1, it says we're to have a soft answer when we respond. And so this helps us understand how to respond to accusations, false or true. Chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You see, the fool always thinks he's right. Always. His way is the right way. He's the only one who has understanding. 
So he's going to demand his way. But he's not. Even wise people are not always right. Chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You see the contrast there. A sword thrust versus words that are soft answers and words that bring healing and repair the relationship. This is a, a great picture here for us. It says a wise man, the character of a wise man brings healing to others, brings understanding and love and care, builds them up and doesn't tear them down. But we all know people who are out there that just lash out, right? Whatever, they wear their emotions on their sleeves and something goes wrong, something doesn't go their way and what do they do? They lash out and it says their words are like sword thrusts. Sword thrusts, what do sword thrusts do? They destroy, they kill, they push people away from one another, destroys relationships. Nobody feels love who's being thrust with a sword, right? But they feel better because they said them. We all know people like that, right? But they're being fools when they do that. Jesus never condemned. Jesus will never condemn you. He came to bring you life and healing with God, renewal of relationship. This is Jesus' desire. We should not be condemning one another. We should be bringing healing and loving relationships into each other's lives. So, so the gateway to wisdom then begins with fear, the fear of the Lord, trusting the Lord's in control. The Lord knows, trusting in him, he has the power and the wisdom and the glory and the mercies. They're new every day. That brings us to our second point, B, the ABCs of how to gain wisdom. Hear instruction. So A is to fear and B is to hear. Fear and hear. So hear instruction means that we humbly hunger to desire to learn. It's an attitude of heart. Do you hunger to learn? Every day when you wake up, it's like, are you ready to learn? Or do you feel like you know everything and everything's under your control? So this is an attitude that we don't have all the answers. And trust me, somebody who's older, <laughs> the more you find out you don't have as many answers as you thought you did last year and the year before. It's part of getting older. There's a lot more things to consider before we think we got all the answers. We've got blind spots. We don't understand things about our own character at times, the things that move us. So we don't have those answers. So verse eight says, hear my sons, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. So to hear instruction means that we need to learn to listen and to understand and then attempt to apply what's being taught. It's not just to have the words kind of rushing past your ear. But to actually hear means to be applying those words in your life. You're living those out, if you will. So teaching's not supposed to fall on deaf ears. 
we're to hear it. Now, I can remember a time when my daughter, who's now 34, was three years old, and uh, it was time for her visit to the PD, pediatric. Anyway, the child doctor. <laughs> anyway, so they went in for that. And so Diane was concerned about our daughter's hearing. And so while she was in there, she said to the doctor, you know what, I'm really concerned about our daughter's hearing. You know, there's times I tell her stuff and I don't think she hears me. Anyway, this is towards the end of the examination. And he just looked at her and smiled and said, Diane? There's nothing wrong with her hearing. She's just ignoring you. <laughs> so, so we get that a lot with children, but uh, sometimes we're like that, right? Sometimes we're ignoring what's being said to us. And so in chapter 22, verse 17, it says, incline your ear. Hear the, hear the verb there. See, these are powerful things. Verbs are action words. These are the things we're supposed to do. And this is the pattern that God always has. There's the indicative where he's telling us how great Jesus is and all the things he's done for us. This is informational, but then it goes into the imperative. So if you look at like the book of Ephesians, you'll see the first three chapters, the indicative, last three chapters are the imperative. Because you're loved, because of all the things that God has done, then here's what you need to do so that you'll have a wise life, your things will go well with you. And so... Here's, uh, here's the idea then. Incline your ear, hear the words of the wise, and apply your hearts to my knowledge. And so what we're seeing here is that gaining wisdom then is dependent on how well we're listening, how well we're hearing. Chapter 19, verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So we need to stay humble all the time. We need to have an attitude that I'm willing to learn, not only through what God says, but what other people around me are saying. I need to hear it. I need to consider it. For example, when we have a session meeting, there's all different opinions in, in the shepherds. You know, as you sit down, we've got a particular topic we're discussing, and so we get a variety of opinions and thoughts, but we're listening to one another. And so no one man in there usually has all of the knowledge, all of the truth. So we grow as we try to determine what the mind of the Spirit is or what the mind of God is in those discussions until we finally come to the point where we say, okay, we're agreed. This is the best that we think is the solution. That's what we're gonna do. And that's how Holy Cross will be blessed the most. And so these things are done through listening to one another, hearing one another. And some of the things we walk in there with that we understand, we thought we understood, change until we get in the group and we're hearing and listening to one another. So in Proverbs, instruction comes in three main forms, three main ways, teaching, counseling, and reproof. Teaching, counseling, and reproof. And teaching comes primarily from parents in Proverbs. They are to teach their children of the love of God and his ways. We heard it in what was read in Mark, our, one of our readings this morning. Love your, Lord, love your Lord with all your heart and soul and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And so we need to teach our children how to do that so they can have successful loving relationships so they can be 
ready to, when they enter the adulthood and enter to a greater population, understand how to love people, how to trust God. So it's important that we do that. Verse 8 says, do not forsake the teaching of your parents. Why does it say that, kids? Children, you need to listen. Obey your parents so things will go well with you, <laughs> right? Very important. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 has what is known as the Shema, which is a Hebrew word which means hear. And it starts out, hear, O Israel. And that's why it's called the Shema. It says, hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That puts an amazing em emphasis on the word of God. I remember when Diane and I, I pastored a church in England for about a month. And so the daughter of, of the pastor that was in the manse, she was like 14. I happened to just walk in her, they'd gone, but I happened to walk in her room one, one moment. Her entire walls were all plastered with verses of scripture. So, I mean, it was like an illustration of what we're talking about here. Now, there's different ways to do this, but the point is, is that the word of God, and of course, Deuteronomy 6 is right after Deuteronomy 5 where the Ten Commandments have been given. So how do you live your life in accordance with God's will? Well, in this case, the Ten Commandments is what the focus is here. So how do we do that? The importance of the word. And so this is how things will go well with us. This is how we'll be teach, excuse me, taught and, and be able to uh, see the changes and things that God wants to bring in us, but also through the people around us, but also lead us in wise decision-making and how we love other people. And so our only hope is that the Lord keeps teaching us and loving us and changing us. But we know that, sure. We know that this is the character of God and he's going to continue to do that. And so several weeks ago, I encouraged you all, if you want to do it, is to take the book of Proverbs and read one chapter a day so you can go through it in 30 days. Maybe do it for two or three months. Really grasp the teachings, this wisdom that's in Proverbs. And I encourage you to share it with your kids. And the kids can read it or you can read it. You can do it over supper or breakfast or whatever you want. But the point being is you're getting the word of God in front of your children and you're talking about what is wisdom. Help them to understand this is wisdom for your life. This is what, if you understand this and know how to apply this, then you know that you're in confidence of walking in the ways of the Lord. And so if you haven't started that, I encourage you to do that. Maybe as a family, we can have some rich times of, of discussion around what is wisdom for their lives. And finally, the counsel is the second form of instruction. 11.14 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in abundance of counselors, there's safety. So what should you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you turn to other people. You can read the word yourself, but you also need to Turn to other people. And, and the word here is plural. It says counselors. So you don't have to go to just one person. You can go to just one person. But the encouragement here is to turn to several people. 
So get counsel when you've got things you're not sure where to go. It says a fool despises wisdom. A fool will not go and get counsel. They'll just work on the way that they want to do it. So when you want to be wise, ask people to help you for advice. Get some different thinking, some different perspectives. So this is what's beautiful about the small groups here at Holy Cross. You've got built-in counselors in your small groups. So you're struggling with something, then ask the group. What do you think? Here's something I'm struggling with. What do you think the wise decision is to make? And so you've got an abundance of counselors right there in your small group. So if you haven't been doing, I encourage you to open up. Let other people give you some advice and counsel. You always reserve the right for the decision making for yourself. You're just getting more information, more consideration. You still are in control of that final decision. So reproof is a third form of instruction. Chapter 15, verse 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Chapter 10, 17 says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. So reproof is like discipline, if you will, if you want to think of it that way, that instructs you that when somebody tells you something you're doing wrong, if you will, then what they're doing is they're saying, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people around you. You need to change in this one area or you need to think about these other possibilities. And so, for example, as parents teach their children, like, do not lie. The reason they're teaching them that is because if they do lie, then you're only proving to others that they can't trust you. And the children need to know the reason why. People won't trust you if you lie. We won't trust you if you lie. So children, it's important that you don't lie, right? And not only when you lie, but you hurt other people because you're giving them misinformation. That brings us to our third point, C, of how to gain wisdom. A, B, C is of wisdom, third point. So the first lesson is what I'm calling steer clear. Steer clear. So we've got fear, hear, and steer clear. So verse 10 says, steer clear of those who will entice you to do sinful things. Be careful who you pick out as your friends. That's a wisdom issue. Don't hang around the people who are going to pull you down and cause you to doubt your faith. Those who are having a problem with containing different things that are tempting them, maybe alcoholism or drugs or whatever, don't be wise about hanging around people that complain all the time, finding fault with everybody. Look for friends that are going to build you up, who are going to love you and care for you, that you can say things to them and know that you're going to hear encouraging things back, uplifting things, sometimes hard things, but they're saying it because they love you and care about you. So be careful about being around people who are going to experiment with sex and things like that. But also, it says be careful about being around people who love money all the time. Wow, that's a big, that's a big issue for, for many people. You've got to be careful about the love of money, 
Money itself is not a problem. It's how we use money and our attitude towards money, right? And so it says that the love of money is the root of much evil. The heart of the fool is obsessed with loving money, not loving people. Verse 13 says, the heart of the fool says this, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder because we want this money. This is what's controlling us. We're willing to do horrible things in order to gain this money. And it says the end of the greedy for unjust gain is revealed in verses 18 and 19. It says this, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. In the Lord's economy, the way to have is to give. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who's ready to provide all for our basic needs. So we're to trust him for those things. We can't out give God. I mean, think of all the treasures of heaven that are waiting for you. That's non-negotiable. Nobody can take away that, not rust or mold or anything else. It's yours right now. By faith, we're saying, yes, that's mine. Jesus is preparing homes, even right now, for you in heaven. It's glorious and it's wonderful. So then 19.17 in Proverbs says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So having a heart, loving heart, caring for the poor is very important. We see it all the way through scripture. Jesus taught about this as much as anything he taught about. But how often are we thinking about giving money away versus trying to figure out ways to get more? Again, there's nothing wrong with money itself. It's our attitude towards money. Okay, so that leads us to our last point, D, the wisdom of the cross. So as we think about the wisdom of the cross, we think of God's infinite wisdom in sending Christ for us. And you see, what we understand as we study the wisdom of God, it's often upside down in relationship to the wisdom of this world. Chapter 11, verse 4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other needful things will be added to you. So we've got our focus on righteousness, which is what this is talking about, how righteousness delivers from death. We're talking about eternal life. And so it's beautiful. And so when you stand before God, when you stand before Jesus in person, and you're going to hear the judgment day take place, it won't matter how much money is in your will. What's going to matter is righteousness. And the beauty of that is that we'll have his righteousness. What a glorious thing. So the upside downness then is Jesus made himself poor so that we could become rich. He gave up his life so we could gain life. 
He gave up his righteousness so that we could enter heaven. He gave us his righteousness. Jesus received the gift of our sins so that he could be punished for them instead of us. Jesus was crucified so that we could become children of God. The wisdom of the cross, Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we deserve to die. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus entered the broken, fallen, and sinful world that we live in to reconcile us to God. He did that because he loves us. He came to bring healing and restoration and loving and eternal relationship with God. He established the way for us. He lived out the word perfectly and taught us the truth. He invites us to follow him to heaven wherever he's waiting for us. And he gave his life so that we have new hearts. As these truths sink into our hearts as we worship and adore him, then also it should bring a delight to us as well. Worship Jesus. Adore Jesus. Delight in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for your infinite wisdom in sending him into this world that we might have life. Thank you, Lord, that even tomorrow he'll be there ready to serve and watch over us and care for us. Help us, Lord, to worship you and adore you. In Christ's name, amen.